This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Acharei Mos. Parshas Acharei Mos, according to the Chinuch, contains two positive mitzvos and 26 restrictions. The first part of Parshas Acharei Mos deals with the Avodas Yom HaKippurim, the special service that was done by the Kohen Gadol, the high priest in the Beis HaMikdash and in the Kodesh HaKadoshim in the Holy of Holies once a year on Yom Kippur when he atones on behalf of all of Klal Yisrael. The end of the parsha contains the parsha of Arayos the prohibited sexual relations and in the middle you have other prohibitions including that of bringing a korban outside the Beis HaMikdash when we're privileged to have a Beis HaMikdash and I'd like to point out a very significant verse in chapter 18 Pasuk 5 the Torah says Ushmartem mishpotai you shall Observe, guard my decrees and my laws. Asheyase osa ha'adam, which man shall perform, v'chai bohem, and he shall live by them. Ani Hashem, I am Hashem. The Talmud in Yuma 85b has various sources as to how we know that Pikuach Nefesh is Doche Shabbos. If, God forbid, somebody is sick on Shabbos, they have chest pains, we don't say, well, maybe it was too much chont, wait an hour or two till after Shabbos. No, we call the ambulance on Shabbos. And we hope it was only too much chont. But lest it is a heart attack, how do we know that the preservation of life supersedes Shabbos we learn it out from this verse here that the purpose of the mitzvot is for man to live by them at the same time the Talmud in Sanhedrin page 74a gives the qualification to this and says Amr Rabbi Yochanan Mishum Rabbi Shimon ben Yehud Sadok. Rabbi Yochanan taught in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben Yehud Sadok. Nimnu v'gamru. They voted on this matter in Aliyah's base Nitzah Belud, in the attic of Nitzah's house in Lud, and this was the uh, conclusion of the rabbis. Kol Torah concerning all prohibitions in the Torah if they say to a person avor violate transgress a particular law 
and Al Tehoreg, and you will not be killed. So in that situation, what should you do? Ya'avor. You should violate the law and not allow yourself to be killed. Except for Avodas Kochavim, Kiliarayos, and Shvichas Domim. Except for the three cardinal sins of idol worship, illicit relations, and murder. Other than that, one is to violate rather than give their life. Based upon this ruling of the Talmud, I'd like to share with you a tshuva, a responsa of Reb Ephraim Ashri. Rav Ashri, Sechet Sadik Levracha, was the Rav in the Kovno Ghetto, and he survived the Mulchama, as you'll see in a few moments, came to the United States, lived on the Lower East Side, and he published five volumes of responsa from the Holocaust called Shelos and Chuvos Mimamakim. And in his fifth volume, Shelos and Chuvos, number 14, he discusses the right to risk one's life. And I'm translating from that tshuva. He writes as follows, The crowding in the Kovna ghetto was unbearable. Within the tiny ghetto area, some 30,000 people were incarcerated, and every room had an inordinate number of tenants. No one was comfortable. The filth was horrifying. The hygienic conditions were intolerable. The primary reason for the stench and the filth was the dearth of clothing. The ghetto prisoners, for the most part, owned no more than a single piece of clothing with which to cover themselves. People did not even own undergarments, and in the best of cases, a person had only a single shirt with no possibility of changing into something else. Nor was there any soap with which to bathe or launder their garments. The third Egyptian plague ran rampant throughout the ghetto. Lice multiplied like lice. They crawled over people and into their garments. Nowhere in the ghetto were there any materials that could be used to clean either people or their clothing or to destroy the despicable crawling creatures. The scratching caused people's skins to be filled with all kinds of sores, and there was intense suffering because of this. One area of respite existed for the ghetto dwellers, and this was the bathhouse that the Germans allowed us to open.
The bathhouse had a special room where the heat was so intense that it killed all the crawling creatures in any bather's garment. Bathers would receive a small amount of liquid soap, barely enough for them to wash their bodies, with nothing left over for cleaning their garments. But then there was actually no place in the bathhouse for them to wash their garments. There was only the delousing chamber where bathers placed their garments. This bathhouse was particularly important for the ill or for the weak. For the Germans, Yemach Shemam, recognized neither illness nor weakness as a sufficient excuse to be freed from slave labor. But when someone's turn came to go to the delousing center, and he had a note to that effect, then he was free from work. In fact, I, and he's talking about himself, Rav Ashri, was the bathhouse attendant, and I undertook this task joyfully. I did everything as precisely as I could, and made every effort to have enough wood to keep the delousing chamber functioning well. My goals were to provide the prisoners the opportunity to cleanse themselves from the immense filth and stench that clung to them because of the lack of hygiene in the ghetto. The bathing would also invariably strengthen their weakened bodies. I thereby participated in making their suffering somewhat more bearable by lifting their spirits. More than once, the great Gaon and Tzaddik, Rev. Yoshua Levinson, Hashem Yikom Domo, director of the Yeshiva of Radin, and a grandson of the Chofetz Chaim, who was alone in the Kovno ghetto because his family was stuck in Radin, used to say to me, I envy you because of this important mitzvah that you are doing. Bathing in the bathhouse refreshes and instills in me the will to live, to merit seeing the consolation of the Jewish people and the downfall of the accursed Germans. I utilize my position as bathhouse manager to keep the bathhouse closed on Shabbos and Yom Tov, even on winter Fridays and on the days before Yom Tov. The head of the El Testenrat, Dr which was the advisory council of the Jews, Dr. Ochanan Elks warned me several times that my life was in danger if the Germans found out that I kept the bathhouse closed on Shabbos and Yom Tov without justification. He also offered to provide me with another job. Why do you insist on such a mean task, a bathhouse attendant, which is not respectable for a rabbi? Besides, you are risking your life in keeping the bathhouse closed on Shabbos and Jewish holidays. I explained to him that I was actually quite pleased to be doing this. I saw it as a privilege to cleanse Jews from the awful filth and to aid them hygienically. Another important aspect to this job was that it enabled me to aid escapees from the Ninth Fort.
In the ninth fort, Jewish, Jewish slave laborers were compelled to cremate in mass graves the bodies of the Jews murdered by the Germans. The slave laborers who were compelled to carry out this horrifying task knew all too well that they too would one day be put to death by the Germans. They knew that the Germans systematically eliminated all evidence and all witnesses of their genocide. Thus, those unfortunate cremators took advantage of any opportunity to escape from the ninth fort to the ghetto. Unfortunately, because of their having to handle corpses all day, they bore the stench of the dead in their garments. If they escaped back to the ghetto, their first stop was the bathhouse. They wanted to bathe immediately and eliminate the stench of the corpses from their hair and skin. Their garments were unsalvageable and had to be burned in the bathhouse boiler. After resting up for a while in the ghetto, they would escape into the forest in order to spread the word of what the accursed Germans were doing to the Jews in the Ninth Fort. Once the German murderer, Phil Gross, came to inspect the bathhouse and found it closed on Shabbos, he asked, why is the bathhouse closed today, and where is the man in charge of it? Some ghetto prisoners heard about this and insisted that I open the bathhouse on Shabbos because of the danger to me in keeping it closed. But I paid no attention to them. When I later visited the Nachomovich home to teach my regular students, they asked me if I had halachic sanction to endanger my life. For the halacha is that only for the three categories of transgressions that I quoted before from the Gemara in Sanhedrin, I endowed must one allow oneself to be killed rather than transgress. How was I allowed to endanger myself, askers of Ashri, in order to keep a different mitzvah, in this case, to observe the Shabbos? And interestingly, Rav Ashri responds by citing the Gemara in Shabbos Memtes Amar Aleph, whereby Elisha Bal Knofayim, at a times when the Romans, Yemach Shemam, forbade the Jewish people from wearing tefillin, Elisha wore his tefillin and he wore them outside. And when a Roman officer saw him and chased him and finally caught up with him, he took the tefillin off his head held it in his hand and said, what's in your hand? He said, a dove's wings. And sure enough, a miracle occurred to him and a wings of doves appeared in his hand. That's why he's called Elisha Balkanofayim. And the Talmud says that just as a wings protect the dove, so too the mitzvot protect the Jewish people. So, the Ramban, one, the Ran, two, the Me'iri, three, all these Rishonim basically are bothered with the question, how could 
Elisha put himself in danger, and in our situation, how could Rav Ashri put himself in danger? And this is Rav Ashri's answer. He cites the Ramban, he cites the Ran, he cites the Meiri, and he says very clearly that it's specifically at a time of Shmad, at a specifically at a time when the enemy tries to obliterate Jewish life, Jewish law, that a Jew is permitted if he is so moved to observe mitzvos under these conditions and note and I quote kol mitzvah shechziku bo Yisrael bishas hashmad all mitzvos that the Jewish people strengthen themselves to observe at a time of religious persecution notinen oleha sochar harbei a the one that does it gets great reward and the adayin muchzekes and most important it is still being observed by the Jewish people. Note, today, we are still Baruch Hashem putting on tefillin. You should know that our tefillin today is because they were most nefesh to put on tefillin in the camp. Our Shabbos today is so much easier because they who were prepared and willing to give their life to keep Shabbos, we are now charged to keep the Shabbos in the manner that we can in such contrast to the adverse horrific conditions with which they had to keep Shabbos this is such a powerful idea really twofold number one we don't realize that each time as explained by the Nefesh HaChayim when a Jew does mitzvah he injects positive spirituality into the environment but all the more so when he does a mitzvah under the most challenging of circumstances and conditions. So the first thing is when we remember the Kedoshim, we have to remember the great Mesiras Nefesh that they had, and they in turn pave the way for our observance of mitzvahs. And secondly, their life and their death is a charge to us. And as the Torah says, Tachas, we have to be able to respond why we didn't resp- observe our mitzvot with happiness and with a sense of enthusiasm may rove coal in the circumstance where in our situation everything was abundant we not only remember the Kedoshim we accept the charge that they died for these mitzvot and we should proudly observe them Shabbat Shalom to all